0: From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's what the job. I'm Matt Ray.
1: Well, my number one advice is do not identify with your workplace. The company you work for is just a company you work for. Big corporations are not a person. They are consistent of a lot of people and every once in a while one of those people may not be the best person.
0: On this episode of What the Job, I talk with Pega Solari, an account manager with a sales agency specializing in plumbing and heating. Pega earned her MBA from the University of Alberta and has since stayed involved with the university as the volunteer chair of career services with Alumni Council we talk about how her experiences as an international student have shaped her career, the importance of a strong and reliable network, and the diverse range of skills that can help you excel in sales. What the job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that... Through the TD Insurance Mellish Monics program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance. Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash alumni. So what's your name and what's your job?
1: My name is Pega. I'm Pega Solari, and I am currently an account manager with a sales agency um, in Edmonton. I have a territory, and I represent certain products, basically, in the plumbing and heating industry.
0: Sounds very like Mad Men when when you hear account manager. Did you ever watch that TV show back in the day? I didn't, but I know what you're
1: talking about. It's not at all like that.
0: (laughs) Well, I just meant like, you know, you're managing clients. Well, tell me a little bit. Like, what do you do?
1: So basically, when you stand by a product, you you need to have a strategy to talk about it to anybody that could be a potential customer. And for that, you meet people and you meet people in the industry and, uh, you know, you build connections and you keep reminding people that your product is out there because there is a lot of competition in any industry. And the same applies to the plumbing and heating industry. Lots and lots of competition and Uh, Especially in this day and age, there's a lot of stuff you can get online, Amazon, Wayfair. The world has changed. The world of distribution is definitely changing. So, you know, standing by a brand and being the brand strategist and, and, and finding the ways to promote that product, especially to promote the sale of that product through the distribution channels, I think that's the biggest challenge. Of my job, because I get asked a lot of times, well, I saw this exact sink on Amazon for $200 and your price is $450. So, you know, it's you you have to be able to talk about that and what goes into it and the value added and all of that good stuff.
0: Sounds like (laughs) a real blend of people skills, relationship management, but also strategy and communications.
1: Yeah, very much so. It's sales. And in sales, you're about people. And the the biggest thing is sales. It's very easy in a sales role to to think that, you know, business sometimes comes to you naturally. It's very easy to lose track of what you should be doing actively and every day um, in order to promote the product that you're selling. Um, it has to be purposeful, is mm-hmm. what I always say. It's what I've preached, and now I'm actually doing it myself. You have to have good follow-up skills. You have to have new strategies to engage the audience that you want to keep engaged. And, and then building those connections, um, being there for the customer when things go wrong, those are the things that help people come back to you. It's not, it doesn't happen naturally, and you can easily lose track of real, real good potential.
0: Uh, talking about these skills and uh, how you've learned these things I was wondering like is it something that you developed over time is it something that you did like professional development to learn how did you how did you figure out these uh, skills for sales
1: I think uh, it's a combination I think there is attributes and there is the skills and I will keep repeating myself probably throughout the course of this interview but the importance of mentors and mm. people you learn from. Um, I have been lucky to work with some amazing salespeople who understood what sales is and really did it with good tactic and, and, um, you know, purposefully following up with customers um, and understanding the meaning of being there for the customer. Um, It's more than just a schmoozing, which I think is something a lot of, especially people early on in their career in sales, they don't realize, Um, you know, taking customers to, hockey games and golfing with them all summer is not sales, um, drinking so many beers. And it's funny because I did a struggle with that for a very long time. I shied away from, from applying for roles that would involve me leading a sales team because I thought I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, a couple of real good mentors told me that that is not sales. It's, um, probably the least effective way of, of attracting someone's business is to golf with them. Um, but I'm I don't do any of that stuff. And I was really afraid of getting into that world. But, but so it's not
0: it. like Mad Men. You're right.
1: But yeah, it's not at all. It's and it could be, I mean, you can turn anything into anything. <laughs> But to me, the effective way of going home at the end of every night and telling yourself that I achieved something, you have to be purposeful, you have to have a strategy and calendarize and reminders, reminders, follow ups, follow ups and, you know, looking at what other people are doing good and copying it. And through that copying, I believe, you know, creativity will start to happen. I think the biggest asset of a salesperson is creativity. In in my in the course of my career where I hired salespeople, I always looked for people who think outside the box and try and come up with ways to sell creatively because it's a very dynamic world out there and not everybody responds to the same thing.
0: That's interesting because you're talking a little bit about how, you know, you learn from models or you model yourself after people but also you put your own spin on it you you make sure that you are creative enough to to make it work for I guess not just you but you're you're talking about this dynamic world of sales uh, the customer that you're dealing with
1: you know in reality it's like it's like arts if you want to be when you look at all those successful abstract painters, they start by learning the classics. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't just start by throwing paint on canvas. Anyone can do that. But the ones that end up being successful are the ones that know how to do the classic painting and are really good at the nuances of this, you know, the skills of working with the brush and the paint. And then they choose to create something else. Creativity, I think, comes from understanding the basics. And that applies to everything, if you ask me. But sales is very much an art. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I would expect so. I mean, this is, I like this conversation a lot because I don't know a lot about the world of sales other than like Mad Men, right? So I I understand it from a very stereotypical perspective, but um, it's interesting to think about not just about like building up the relationships, but also the kind of strategy that goes in and the layers. I mean, I worked in marketing and communication, so I have a little bit of understanding about it, but not necessarily like making the sale. But how much, like, how much is it about? just strictly relationship management? I mean, I guess it depends what you're selling and how you're selling it. And how much of it is about just, you know, um, having the, the messaging and having the tactics? Like, where's the balance?
1: Um, I can't really put a percentage on mm-hmm. it, but I can tell you this. It's, it's definitely not enough for the work to come to you organically mm-hmm. because there is products out there that, I don't know, let's say chips. You eat potato chips every day. Um, and you know, you just grab a bag every time you go to the grocery store. So, so people are buying chips every day and those chip manufacturers are making their product and are selling them every day, but it's not enough to wait for the customer to come to you. So in that sense, I would say relationship management is one, but also through those meaningful relationships, you tell people that you're there for them when things go wrong, which is at least in the plumbing and heating industry, I think is the, is what everybody cares about the most. Um, the meaningful relationships to start by just being there and greeting people with a big smile and then caring about their story and what they're there listening to them before, you know, you make a judgment about them and understanding their style because not everybody communicates the same and not everybody, you have to adapt your style to the person in front of you. That's what people do wrong most of the time and annoy their audience. So it's, it's a combination there is strategy is a very big part of it i like to put because i'm a planner i like to put a greater value on a strategy than than organic you know ways of selling or the organic silos of the business coming to you because you know there are builders in this city that love the products that i represent and have been using them forever but can i still lose those loyal customers absolutely all it takes is a very bad experience so you can't lose sight of that mm. and for that i put about 60% definitely over 40 for, you know, strategy and skill set over just attributes and connections and people.
0: Well, you've made me want to go buy chips. So that's one. <laughs> <maybe>. I was, <laughs> uh, you, hey, I should have started representing chips. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, and I mean, we're talking about heat and we're recording this in January in Edmonton. We just got through a historic cold snap. So, of course, people want it to be reliable. But, you know, I was drawn to something you said when you were talking about how you have to change your style a bit depending on who you're talking how do you balance maintaining a sort of authenticity making sure that people understand you're being genuine or sincere with also also kind of modifying your style as you when you're when you're
1: there's nothing ingenuine about if if you're standing in front of a person that wants short answers and doesn't want you to go on and on i mean i'm a very descriptive person i could talk for hours on a single question. I'm sure you're going to realize that before the end of this interview. But you <laughs> know, if I realize that Matt is, he likes short answers and he's a busy guy and he's a go-getter, type A personality. We used to call them red. Apparently the color codes have changed now. But if, if I know that's who you are, I can't not pay attention to that. So there is nothing ingenuine about it. It's about adjusting the length of the conversation and, and giving the person what they need.
0: Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you can still represent yourself the way that you think is important and the way that you're trying to represent the product as well. Um, yeah. Just in terms of talking about your career journey, I'm interested in how you got into sales. Was it always something that you thought you wanted to do?
1: Funny enough, I always avoided sales. Now I have to start by probably telling you my, I'm a storyteller. Like I said, a very descriptive.
0: Perfect concept. for sales.
1: I'm going to tell you about my journey. Cause I was, I came to Canada as, as an international student. I'm originally from Iran and I got here to Edmonton on August 26, 2006. That was almost 18 years ago now. So I'm down my 18th year. And I came here as an international student and I always spoke English pretty well. I learned as a kid through movies and music and whatever. So I had a good accent or okay accent. And I came here and I thought, yay, my English is awesome. I know what I'm doing. And I went to my first class. Um, Gosh, I never forget that day. The very first class I attended was a marketing class because I did my MBA at U of A. And I remember the professor was talking about uh, different grocery stores you know if you go to save on foods this is how things happen and you go to Safeway, and this is what you see in superstore and and i'm sitting there and i have no idea what he's talking about are these people are these cities are these companies what are we talking about took me a good 10 minutes into the conversation to understand to get the context so this is just an example that has stuck with me but Language was a very big barrier for me, even though I speak it really well. um, A lot of people would, you know, hear me speak and think, are you crazy? Your English is awesome. But I was lost in translation for a very, very long time. I still am. (laughs) You'd be surprised someone, you know, a certain cultural context or, or referring to a certain cartoon people watched when they were growing up. I'm clueless. I came here at the age of 23 for those people who are doing the math. Yeah, I'm 41 years old this year. Um, but you know, it's, um, it was a big hurdle and I shied away from sales, mind you, when I joined MCO and went to wholesale distribution, I started in the showroom and I had the opportunity to choose between three different, um, you know, paths within the company. And I chose to go to a showroom and a plumbing showroom is where I started. And I had an MBA at the time, but I wanted to experience sales and it turned out that I was pretty good at it. So that was that was the first um, click I can say but then later on again I shied away from it I thought I'm not going to be able to do outside sales handling a customer that comes in on the inside is one thing but then going after the business is another thing but now that I'm fully in this in a strictly sales role I can tell you I, I shouldn't have shied away from it it's 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 not at all about, I mean, culture is very important, but you can always make a genuine connection with somebody over what you can connect with them.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's always interesting to kind of trace. I think it's really cool that you can go back to like specific moments and think about how that one moment has influenced or something that has maybe become a touchstone for you and how you think about your career journey.
1: Um, now, I, honestly, I, I should probably make a point in here. What How I handle my, my customer base is every time I have a meeting with somebody, I come back to the office and I have this giant self-made Excel file and I add notes to it. So from every meeting I meet with somebody, if they tell me their dog's name, if they talk about the last trip. Um, they had or you know a place they're going to I make a note of it and before the next time I see these people for the most part I have a good memory and I just really remember what they told me but you know you have a large customer base you tend to forget or mix people up so I look at my excel file before I see them the next time and I have very specific things to talk to them about from the last time I talked to them and I find that it really impresses people and I know it's not lying or cheating. If you make a note, go back to your notes. And and that's how you remember because you cared enough to make the note. Mm -hmm. So don't ever let anybody tell you, but that's not genuine. You didn't actually remember. Yeah, I cared enough to make a note of it.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think also people also understand that um, that is a job that you're trying to sell them something. You're not being, um, you know, mean or anything like that. It's just important to remember details. How did you learn to do that? Is this something that you came up on your own or is it just an industry thing?
1: I don't think it's an industry thing. Um, For the most part, I think at least the plumbing and heating industry, I think sales happens very organically and very relationship based. Um, I, I don't see enough strategy in the industry. There are some people that I've really looked up to and I've learned from. Some of them have been my boss or a co-worker that I've learned a lot from. But uh, for the most part, it doesn't happen in the professional sales way, if you ask me. Um, the people that I've learned from, they've all done that. They have all cared. They all have notes. They make calendar reminders. They have a follow-up system. And they're very successful. They're very good at what they do.
0: It certainly all fits with you described yourself as a planner. It fits that as well. Have you always been a planner? Is that something that you- Unfortunately,
1: yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Unfortunately. I was
1: born that way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, I over plan.
0: Well, it's not a bad thing necessarily. I underplan, So, you know, maybe you could it, it help can me out. It can be tiresome.
1: It can be exhausting. But for the most part, it saved me under a lot of circumstances. So I can't say, I, I no complaints here. I could have other attributes. But yeah, I'm definitely a big time planner.
0: Do you think sales is something that anyone can learn to be good at? Or do you think it's something that really requires a certain personality to excel?
1: Um, Yeah, anybody who cares about other human beings can do it. Okay. (laughs) If you don't care, and it's funny, but I've always had this motto, you can't coach, I don't know how if I'm allowed to use this word on your podcast or not, but you can't coach jerk out of somebody. Mm -hmm. If, If someone doesn't care for other human beings and you know, pick and chooses who they're nice to, then no, I don't think, I don't think it's going to last long-term. They can pretend for a while, but it's not going to last long-term.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of interesting when, you know, I talked about authenticity earlier before and like, well, you know, I know you have to change your style and everything like that. But I think a complaint that people often have about sales and the salespeople that, someone like me encounters, it's like, you know, someone coming to my door or somebody calling me or somebody at a mall or something like that. So, you know, I'm seeing pretty aggressive salespeople, but I think a complaint we often get is that the perception is that it's super scripted and fake, but that doesn't seem to be the real recipe for success. It seems to be more about that warmth and, um, and care, I guess.
1: It really depends on the model too, and the product. in In our world, in the plumbing and heating industry, I think we're farmers. We plant hmm. seeds, and then we start to see, you know, to harvest later on. Um, being a hunter probably requires a different attitude. I don't think I could be a car salesperson and, you know, live entirely on commission. Um, it could have great rewards, but I don't know if I could really enjoy the short interactions, temporary interactions. What I really love about what I do right now is the long-term relationships and all the after-sale involvement with the customer. So they're not wrong. Cold calling is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um parts of my job still involves me calling on new people and, you know, asking for, for new opportunities through just, just sending somebody a message or stopping by an office and asking for who I can talk to. But it's not, the rejection is not fun, but again, it's very, it's a very results driven role. So I thrive on those results. It's, I find it very fun.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm kind of interested in just thinking about your journey. One thing that, one thing that I like to ask every guest is just to talk about mentorship and you've talked about it a little bit, but um, what role has mentorship played for you in your career journey? And is mentorship something that you um, provide for others? Is that something that you've done?
1: Oh yeah. I've, I have had amazing mentors in my life, whether through university or, Um, or in my career later on, um, there have been people that really, without them, I wouldn't have been the person that I am. I am a big fan of mentorship. I think if you look into the career path of anybody who's the slightest bit successful, you will find a couple really good examples of people who have coached them. uh, my, my previous boss was a very good mentor for me for 10 years. I still reach out to him when I have questions because I, I believe in him and in the genuine person that he is and the relationships he's had. Um, there has been, there was a couple ladies that I have not reported to directly or worked for directly, but have stood by me when I needed them the most and pushed me when I needed the push. And I am absolutely thankful to them. Um, I do a lot of coaching and mentorship myself in an official or unofficial capacity. Um, a lot of uh, people come to me for career advice, especially when it comes to doing interviews and getting ready for jobs. Um, I do that quite a bit, but honestly, um, my first advice to everybody is you need a good advisor. You have to have good advisors. And I think that's what a mentor is. Um I absolutely recommend that anybody finds themselves someone they look up to and can learn from. No one's going to be the perfect mentor in every aspect of your job or your life, but each person can give you something. There are different facets to success. And I think you can learn each facet from at least someone.
0: It's so important to find those relationships. They're sometimes difficult to come by. Do you have any advice for people on how to find a mentor, approach a mentor? How do you build those relationships?
1: I think when you are looking for mentorship, when you are open to learning, I think mentors find you almost Mm. because they see that you care. And it's probably no one else will tell you this, but I, I find people that I think care. And so I approach them and I talk to them and I give them what I can. And that has happened to me, too. So you want to raise your hand every time there is an opportunity or if you have a question or if you are looking for for answers or if you need advice. It's okay to be vulnerable is the number one thing I tell everybody because growth happens in those moments of vulnerability. And if you come out and say that you need help, that you're struggling with something, then the people who are willing to help you will come close. They'll take a step towards you and they will start talking to you. Now that being said, I've been disappointed in mentors. Hmm. So it's not always positive, but I still have managed to learn from them by learning to do the exact opposite of what they do. <laughs> well, there this is go. a recent experience. So I have a lot to say about that. But you know, sometimes you want your mentors to stand up for you, to tell the truth, to, you know, not be afraid of politics and say it out loud like they think it is. And when they don't, it's very disappointing. But it's funny, there is this book, Survivor, by a gentleman, um, I don't know, you may know about this, but Joseph um, Lukowis. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, he's, a, he's an Auschwitz survivor who became a Nazi hunter. Mm-hmm. And he has this term, a survivor's revenge. And I love that it. it resonated with me so much when I heard it, is you, you see what happens wrong, and you do the exact opposite of that. And you make sure, you make a point of it by doing the exact opposite of that and, and you help others. So mentors can teach you either way.
0: <laughs> I guess it's all education in the end, but you know, that's really great advice because we don't often hear, people don't usually share the the story of having a mentor who let them down, but it makes sense. And I think the important thing is not to say, oh, you need to be perfect in the way that you select or approach mentors, because how would you know but more that you need to be able to recognize the lessons that are there to learn
1: they say if you have a healthy appetite your appetite is the best guide in telling you what to eat and and what nutrition you know to follow Mm -hmm. i believe in the same thing with relationships with people if you are a healthy person who thinks healthy then you can trust your gut if you feel like the person you've looked up to is making the wrong decision or doing the wrong thing then trust your gut you're probably right and no one is a saint and no one is mistake free and People make mistakes, and if you feel so, speak up, <laughs> number one, and um, yeah, do what do what you wanted people to do for you.
0: I think it can be challenging for people, especially like some of the young people who may be listening to this. I mean, you sometimes a mentor is someone you really put up on a pedestal, and to see them disappoint you or see them make a decision or maybe not support you in a way that you expected, I think that can be really difficult to experience.
1: I think we all learn through experience to manage our expectations that comes that that's a part of maturity I think that comes with time Um, it most certainly happened for me I had a lot of expectations of people early on in my life and in my career and I don't anymore I've stopped expecting people to do things for me it doesn't mean that I'm not disappointed in them but I don't expect anything Um, yeah, so I would say, um, you put them on a pedestal and there's a good reason for that because you want to look up to them and you you want their word to have an, an effect on you. Um, but at the same time, again, don't be afraid of putting them down from their pedestal or, or learn from what they did wrong. Mm -hmm. Again, somebody can make a mistake and a bad judgment call and still say a lot of other correct things.
0: (laughs) Right. It's not, it's not a binary. It's not one or the other. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, another question talking about mentors, another question we talk to a lot of guests about, and I'm sure in sales, it's a a big thing, but uh, building a network, especially around careers. Uh, Do you have any advice for people doing that?
1: Absolutely. I'm actually really focused on the networking idea now because my network came to my rescue just recently and not just to find me another job. Um, a network serves a much bigger purpose, if you ask me, Matt. Uh, the network comes to your rescue and reminds you of the person you are and everything they've seen you do over the years. They will tell you your value settings. They will remind you who you are, what you stand for. They won't let anybody tell you anything otherwise because they've seen you in action. And I think from five to ten years after anybody starts their, their real adult life profession, I think everybody should have a professional. Professional network of people who are willing to do that for them with the emphasis on professional and willingness to help. And the reason I say that is your network of friends serves a purpose, but it's very different from your professional network. You could meet people on a, you know, every weekend for 10 years and not really talk much about the obstacles you deal with in your job. But that professional network is different in the sense that you talk to them about what you deal with, the different dilemmas you have to work through, and they will see you over the years on your approach to making the right call, being ethical, um, you know, make making the human approach in dealing with people. And when, when there comes a moment when you doubt yourself and a decision you made, and they're going to remind you that, no, no, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, this is not who you are. This is what you did in that situation. And this is what you did in that other situation. And it's very helpful. And that network, I think you will build true, Um, You know, going through training courses together, discussing your work related problems and obstacles, talking about successes, being vulnerable in front of asking their advice, their opinion, and then building a genuine connection. I think if you are five to 10 years down your career and you don't have that network, you have you have really suffered in an area you're not realizing until it hits you very hard.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes you don't realize that you've built up a network. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be like a conscious, deliberate thing. I mean, I think it's important to recognize the people that you have in your network and to be able to reach out to them. But sometimes you don't realize how many people you have that can give you advice or support until you do that, until you do reach out.
1: I always say every once in a while, picture yourself in a situation where you no longer work for a company you've been a part of. Well, my number one advice is do not identify with your workplace. The company you work for is just a company you work for. Big corporations are not a person. They are consisted of a lot of people. And every once in a while, one of those people may not be the best person. So if that happened and you happen to cross paths with one of these, these um not so awesome people, then you're you might find yourself out of a job. And that happens and just picture picture it for a second and then ask yourself how many people do I have to call how many people are going to support me through this who is going to be there for me to first help me pick up the pieces and then help me maybe introduce me to a few people who have their own professional network they will pass on my information to so I believe now and if you had asked me this Two years ago, I probably had a different answer for you, Matt. But now I tell everybody you want to actively network 15 minutes a week. But spend that time and send somebody you knew from an old workplace a message. Hey, I was thinking about you today. How are things? Or an old classmate or somebody you knew, I don't know, um, years ago through high school. If you know where they are now, send them a quick message when you do not need them when you're not looking for a job, that's the only way it remains genuine. You're not reaching out because you want them to help you find, you know, your next career. You are there just to say hi, but it's, it saved my life. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. It's important.
0: I think that's good advice. One thing we've heard from guests before that I think syncs up really well. with this is networking. Shouldn't always be a transactional it sh- people don't want that it shouldn't be a thing where you only are talking to somebody because you want something from them
1: and it actually it should be the exact opposite of that and People make that same mistake with mentorship, too. They come to you to mentor them because they want you to pass on their resume to someone they believe you know. And that's, again, wrong, too. So when I start mentoring somebody, I always start by saying, I'm not going to find you a job. I'm going to help you find a job, but I'm not the one passing on that resume. Now, don't get me wrong. If I can, I always do and I always have. But I don't start by that promise. And I make it very clear that you're here to hear from me how to be successful in in representing yourself and, and, you know, highlighting the things that you're good at that are going to get you that job. I'm not going to pass on the resume. <laughs> uh,
0: that, you know, that's really great. And I think the bits about networking, they're just so salient to some of the other guests that we've talked to as well. And I think networking is something that for young people especially is extremely scary until you start to understand it a little bit more because it doesn't have to be you know handing out your business card to a room of strangers or things like that sometimes it's just about building up good relationships with people that you work with and and being a good person don't be a jerk you know like be a good person to work with those are important exactly
1: if, if you're a genuine person your network will organically just build mm-hmm. itself that being said, you add that 15 minutes a, a week. And I say that because I believe in two to three minutes a day, because that's really how long it takes to open up a message on LinkedIn and just send someone a message. The, the worst kind of networking is just, you know, blindly adding people on, on your LinkedIn network. I think that's the worst thing ever. And I, every once in a while I go through my connections and I remove people. Hmm. Cause if you and I haven't had a conversation in, years you don't comment on my posts I have nothing to tell you then I'm sorry who are you why are we even in each other's network so I always I I go in and I clean up
0: (laughs) I want to get back to sales just one last question about sales just for people who are thinking about that as a career path as something that they might want to do for a living what sort of uh, tips or even just general advice do you have for someone who's considering that path
1: them start by thinking about how much you enjoy people's conversations because if you don't then sales may not be the right place for you now there are types of sales when your product knowledge is what what makes you successful in it so if you are an introvert but you're very good at certain skill sets say uh, very specific products um, where the mechanics of the product become important and your knowledge of how to deal with them becomes important, then you are probably very much sought after and you just don't realize it because not everything is just a fluff conversation. There are some products out there um, I and I speak about my industry, but there are things that are very um, specific and not anybody is smart enough to get them or be an expert in, in dealing with them. So, You know, you you don't have to be a chatterbox like Pega to be good in sales.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's the the, the, uh, tagline for this episode. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That or go and buy some chips. Um,
1: There you go. You pick all the good stuff. I'm with you on the chips thing. There's a reason I chose that example.
0: (laughs) Something else we ask guests about is uh, volunteer experience and how that affects their career. And I know uh, you're active with the U of A in terms of volunteering. Do you want to talk about that a bit?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, going back to our conversations about network, I think volunteering for the the institutions such as U of A that the same way I do is a great way to build a good network. I am uh, currently at the moment on the third year on my third year um on the council. And this year I chaired the Career Services Committee. And, um, you know, this past three years have been amazing. Even the year before that, before I officially joined the council, I was a member of the Career Services Committee. And the work that we do, it's it's really valuable. Um, I learn more from it than I think I give to it. So I highly recommend that anybody who is an alumni of U of A think about it, um, you know, and join in this great network of professionals that that are there to, you know, do great work. These are people who lead with purpose is, is what we talk about a lot these days. So I like to emphasize on that. But definitely uh, my involvement with the U of A has taught me a lot in the last four or five years.
0: Okay, we're going to go on to the lightning round. is brought to you by TD Insurance. And these are just questions we ask every guest uh, and you should go ahead and answer freely. First one I want to know is when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: An architect.
0: Really? What, stirred, oh, yeah. what steered you away from that path?
1: Um, you don't really get to choose. Well, you do. That's not true. But the entrance exams for universities. I got into management and surprisingly enough, I ended up exactly where I needed to be.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, what's something that you think is misunderstood about your job or that you wish people knew about your job?
1: Yeah, we don't just call them to sell them something in the moment. <laughs> we're genuinely interested in knowing what their business is about.
0: Yeah. What, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't in sales?
1: Oh, I'd be an architect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. Why do I even ask?
1: No, that's not true. That's not true. Sorry. I, I just thought that's the funny answer, but I'd be a lawyer.
0: I like how quick you were to it, though. A lawyer, right? Yeah, I guess oh. law and sales. I could see how there'd be similarities. There Detail, strategy, and people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's and it's, I think over the years, as I grew older, I, I understood the things that I want to stand up for. And I think being a lawyer would have made it easier for me. Honestly, again, when I came to Canada, I could have gotten a joint degree in law and business, but I shied away from law because I thought, well, you have to have very good English in order to do that. And boy, do I regret that decision.
0: No, well, you can go back. It's never too late. You could be architect lawyer. The first. I don't
1: know. I don't
0: know. Uh, what is your favorite thing about your job? The people, Mm, always the people.
1: people, Yeah.
0: If you could go back in time and talk to yourself just after you graduated, what advice would you have for yourself?
1: Relax. It's all going to turn out fine.
0: Hard, hard to do in the moment, though, isn't it?
1: Oh my goodness! I still don't relax. Every once in a while, (laughs) my network reminds me that you're doing a lot as it is. Stop trying to push yourself so much, but. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. I think life is just in general, not as big of a deal as we make it sound like it's so much simpler. And every every day now, when I, at the end of the day, when I go to bed, I look at my day. And if I've done something that's impactful, and and helped somebody, then I close my eyes happy.
0: You brought a lot of good wisdom to this conversation. A lot of good nuggets, I think people can pull out. And on top of that, Pega, I think you bring a lot of energy to this. So I, I really appreciate it. I've had a great time talking with you. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. i followed uh, what the job for about three years now, and it was very nice to be on the other side of it today. Oh, fantastic! Great, for bringing me on. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Job? And a special thanks to our guest, Pegasolari, for talking to us about her career. And as always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free and you can try it out today at uab.ca/sport. It's a great tool no matter where you are in your career journey. That's all for this episode. For What the Job? I'm Matt Ray. See you next time.